0: Today on Cross Defense, we're looking at the word faith, and we're seeing how it relates to courage and truth. Reverend Schmidt's our guide by way of his book, Faith Misused, and Dr. Jordan Peterson will help us get a better grasp of the congruency of our words and our deeds, and not only ours, my friends, but Thrivent Financials. That's right. We have more information about that former Christian Fraternal Benefit Society. Their disbelief, believe it or not, is evident in much more than a single Instagram post. All that and more is coming up right now on Cross Defense. Welcome back to another episode of Cross Defense. This is the show that aims to equip the mind, excite the imagination, and comfort the soul, and aims to do it all with God's Word. (laughs) I'm your host, Reverend Tyrell Bramwell. I'm the pastor of St. Mark Lutheran Church way out here in Ferndale, California, where, get this, Christians actually still stake themselves to the truth. We still hold to the truth of God's Word, and we do it with courage, trusting God, God to be faithful, just as God says He is. I know, it's weird. It's, It's so unusual in this day and age, but we still do it. And we still do it out here in California, just as you and yours are doing it where you are. The remnant is far more numerous than the devil would have us believe. It is true. Dear Saints, if during the show you'd like to send us your comments, your questions, your bits of biblical brilliance, your communiques from your communist culture, whatever is going on in your world, you can go to stmarksferndale.com slash contact, S-T-M-A-R-K-S, ferndale.com slash contact contact and drop us a line we'd love to hear from you you can also find saint mark the winged lion out there on instagram and facebook and communicate us uh with us through that channel as well those channels and you know you can find me on youtube and uh, communicate with me in the comment section or uh, however stuff works over there uh probably i'm probably not using it to its fullest uh, ability but i got things to do man i got things to do so if you have a general comment, last little bit of housekeeping here, you and you want to rate us and review us, you can certainly do that on the podcast platform that you lo- use to listen to this show. So please consider doing that. If you like what you hear, if you if you would like to uh, share what you hear with others, even random strangers, you, one way you can do that is by leaving a positive review and a five-star rating so that the algorithms on these interwebs places will push it out to more listeners. So please go, go ahead and do that if you'd like to. We'd appreciate it uh, greatly, greatly appreciate it. All right. All the housekeeping's out of the way. We had some fun getting through it, and now let's talk about today's episode. Let's get into today's episode. It's about faith, it's about courage, and it's about truth and how some have it and some don't and all that kind of stuff. So at St. Mark, we have this book club. It's called the Onward Christian Soldier Book Club. I know, kind kind of a clunky name, but we do open every single meeting of the book club with the first stanza of that powerful hymn. And uh, we'll go ahead and drop a link to the book club page so that you can see what we've read together so far. The book club started in August of 2021 after we realized as a congregation that the Lord had brought us into direct battle with the spiritual forces of evil operating in Humboldt County. And our current read is Reverend Alvin J. Schmidt's new book. I think it's pretty new. Faith Misused, Why Christianity is not just another religion. It's a great book. Highly, highly recommend you give it a read. In it, he makes the argument that we as Christians misuse the word faith, pistis, all the time. I'm not going to spoil it for you. I want you to go and experience the wonderful adventure of that theological book for yourself. And trust me, it's short and it is accessible, so give it a read. I'm not going to spoil it for you. But At the very beginning of the book, we learn a lot. And so I am going to touch on the beginning just to kind of, you know, whet your appetite a little bit. So first, Reverend Schmidt says, the New Testament speaks of only two kinds of people. One, the believing ones, hoi pistoyantes, and I always tend to say it with some sort of foreign weird accent. I don't mean to, but you, you get the idea. And those are the people who had exclusive faith, the Christians and two the second group those who were the unbelieving ones hoi apistoi so apistoi that like atheist the a is the anti it's the non faithful ones that is those who do not have it like there's theists and atheists there's pistoi and apistoi right so those who had no faith hence those with the exclusive pistis the faith were identified as Christians in the pagan culture of the Greco-Roman world. There are Christians, and there's everyone else. Reverend Schmidt teaches well, I might add, that there is subjective and objective faith. He says, the New Testament, on the other hand, portrays faith as both subjective and objective. Now, that's important. Last week you heard, in, the, in last week's episode, that the LGBTQ uh, activist gal there at the end of the episode wasn't interested in objective truth. She said it, was, it had left long ago. Well, here's a little update for you. She later came into my office the next week after I recorded that, she actually followed up on what I had invited her to do. She came in for a conversation instead of chalking the sign or in front of the sign. And we had a good long conversation where I repeatedly moved her from her subjective truth position to the understanding of objective truth, that we can actually have a more fruitful conversation when we identify that there is a greater truth out there that we are trying to assent to. And therein lies how we can communicate with one another. So, if you're familiar with that language of objective truth and subjective truth, you're going to get what Reverend Schmidt is teaching here about objective faith and subjective faith. Kind of goes along the same paradigm. He continues An example of subjective faith is when individuals accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and in Him have assurance of justification and eternal salvation. This is expressed in the Apostles' words. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10.9. Another example of subjective faith, Reverend Schmidt says, is the response the frightened jailer at Philippi received when he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Acts 16.30. Paul and Silas told him, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Acts 16.31. These references, as well as others in the New Testament, show that a Christian's subjective faith is anchored in Christ, the object of a Christian's faith. Good stuff, yeah? Well, Reverend Schmidt goes on to teach us about the objective sense of the word pistis in the New Testament. So we saw the subjective, now he gives us the objective examples. The New Testament, however, he says, also talks about faith in the objective sense, that is, the content of Christianity's teaching. For example, the Apostle Paul predicted some will depart from the faith. 1 Timothy 4.1, emphasis going to Reverend Schmidt. Another example is Paul saying the word of faith that we proclaim, Romans 10.8. It's an objective thing. So here it is, also important to remember, Reverend Schmidt says, that paganism had no recorded creed or doctrine and thus no objective content. (laughs) Pretty interesting stuff, right? Yeah, I think so too, especially given all the, the neo-paganism stuff that we're contending with, the paganistic culture that we are now finding ourselves in, extremely interesting as we faithful Christians are trying to communicate our doctrine, our creed, Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, crucified and resurrected as our Savior. And that is is not really hitting home all the time because we are communicating to a... a uh, culture of people, a group of people who have no concept of doctrine and creed, as you heard the LGBTQ gal say, objective truth left long ago. It's just an ancient book, she said of scripture. Christianity is a thinking man's religion. And this struck me last week when I watched a clip from a thinking man, Jordan B. Peterson. The clip was called Dr. Peterson on his belief in God. Now, if you don't know, Jordan Peterson has over 7 million subscribers on YouTube, and and that's just his main channel. I actually saw the clip on a Jordan B. Peterson Clips channel, which had 1.3 million subscribers. He is considered one of today's most influential public thinkers. He's famous for lecturing on biblical texts, among other things, but not as a cleric, not as a pastor or theologian, but as a psychologist. And because of the topic of his talks, many people want to know, want to know, do you believe in God? They want to know what his religious convictions are, and I would say rightly so. I don't agree with everything he says, but he is a profound thinker, and I appreciate much of what he has to contribute, although sometimes I wish he would not talk on the Bible as much as he does. So let's take a listen to how he reacts to being asked if he believes in God. This is pretty interesting stuff.
1: Do I believe in God? And I don't like that question. And people have complained at me a lot, and I'm sure they have their reasons, because they don't like my answers, you know, and I, I have two answers. They've kind of become stock, which is not a good thing. But, um, but they're the best, I, I, I can't figure out why I don't like the question exactly. I've got three I had three sort of burgeoning hypotheses. One was, it's none of your damn business. That's the first one. So it's like a privacy issue. Like, it seemed to me to be a question that was too private to be answered properly. And so, and you know, you could consider that a cop-out. Maybe it is. And then another one was, um, well, what do you mean by believe? Like, do you mean the words? Do you mean... To say the words i believe in god does that indicate that you believe in god like i don't know what you mean by believe exactly because and that's got me in trouble too because you know people think that attempting to clarify the meaning of words is an attempt to escape from the question when it's actually an attempt to specify the question i mean is what you believe what you say or what you act out now you know i would say to some degree it's both but if push comes to shove as far as i'm concerned What you believe is what you act out, not what you say. And then, you know, and if you're an integrated person, then what you act out and what you say are the same thing, and then you're a person whose word can be trusted, right? Because what you say and what you do are isomorphic. They're the same thing. But belief is instantiated in action. So I I have also suggested that I act as if I believe in God, or to the best of my ability. And... uh, People aren't very happy with that either. But, and then the third is that I'm afraid that he might exist.
0: Dr. Peterson has three hypotheses, he says. What were they again? One, it's a private matter. It's nobody's business but his own. Okay, so how does the, the thinking Christian respond to that? Don't expect Dr. Peterson to know this answer if he's not a Christian. I don't know what his faith is. But how do we as Christians respond to that thought? Someone asks you if you believe in God, it's none of your business. Is that the biblical method? Is that how we should respond? No, we respond with the words of Jesus, or at least our thought process on how we respond to them is guided by the words of Jesus, Matthew 10, 26 to 33. Take a look at that with me. So have no fear of them, that would be those maligning us because of our our Christianity, because we follow our Master, Jesus Christ. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my father who is in heaven. One's faith in God is certainly personal, but it's, it's never private. Consider what Peter tells us. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Okay, so we're up on our first break, so let's leave it there for a minute. We'll come right back, and we'll continue our conversation on faith, courage, and truth. Thanks for listening to Cross Defense. Hello friends, I'm Pastor Phil Boo, host of Thy Strong Word. Each weekday morning at 11 a.m., join me and a guest pastor as we explore God's Word, which strengthens our faith and guides our lives. You can listen over the air, online at kfuo.org, or through your favorite podcasting app. Just search for Thy Strong Word, only from KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Welcome back to Cross Defense. All right, so what was Dr. Peterson's second hypothesis? He said, what do you mean by believe? And this is the one that Reverend Schmidt's work on faith gets us to most intently. Peterson presupposes the question that he's asking from a Roman Catholic faith as credo position as he goes on to demonstrate that the the ongoing pedophilic sins of the Roman Catholic Church, he, in this clip, he goes on to talk a little bit about that, well quite a lot about it, actually, uh, how it defies the confession of faith in God. These priests who say they believe in God, and then they go and these, do, they do these horrific things to these children. They sin in such a grievous way. Any sin would be awful, but this is especially horrendous. And he makes the, the argument, the contention that there seems to be a disconnect. How can you say you believe in God and then do these things? And Peterson's response reveals an agreement, actually, with the Lutheran position that just saying the words, I believe, that subjective faith isn't enough. That's not what faith is all about. Is what you believe what you say or what you act out, Dr. Peterson asks. That's the biblical question. And it's not an open question. It's not an unanswered question. This question has been answered since the first century when James answered it in James 2, 14 to 26. Was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Peterson said the same thing, didn't he? The same thing as James when he said, What you believe is what you act out and not what you say and if you're an integrated person he says then then what you act out and what you say are the same thing and then then you're a person whose word can be trusted right that's what he's asking and then he answers because what you say and what you do are isomorphic they, that is they're the same thing i say that's well said dr peterson we confess the words of the creed because it's true If we confess belief in Christ and our words and our deeds don't align, then something's amiss. It's 1 John 3.18, right? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Subjective faith and objective faith go hand in glove. And this is why we rightly say we're saved by faith alone. Our faith is in Christ Jesus, who did all that is necessary under God's law to earn your salvation, my salvation, our salvation. With him as the object of our faith, we can begin to do what we say. That is, we can begin to live as as Peterson's integrated person who acts as if he believes in God. Do you get it? You see it? The two things are never in conflict with one another. Faith is that thing which enables us to do works. Faith is the thing that fills our heart, our spirit, with the desire to want to do what pleases our Father in heaven that enables us to give, have the boldness to be able to say, I believe in God. Like we read in Scripture, I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. What a beautiful and simple prayer. That allows us, enables us, to, to communicates to the world, uh, defines us as those people who are integrated, have integrity. People who are, uh, as Peterson said in his fancy language, isomorphic. That our words and our deeds are doing the same thing. They're running in parallel, they're synonymous with one another. That is, that we're not double minded, we're not hypocrites, we are consistent. Now, the third thought hypothesis that Peterson states is that he's afraid God might exist. And I can certainly respect that fear if one didn't have a full understanding of who our God is. This is is the thought of of the man who takes the treasure that was left to him by his master and he buries it. And he says, you are a hard master, so I buried your treasure. This is the word of, of a person who doesn't understand that God is gracious and loving. That When we look at Christ, we see the picture of our God. We see a Lord and a Savior who justifies us, who, who is our substitute on that cross that took our penalty and enables us to actually start to be consistent in thought and action because we can admit that we can't keep God's just laws, but that he kept them for us. And so now we are motivated by the gospel, not the law. The law cannot save. Motivated by the gospel to actually live out a lifestyle that is reflective of what is going on in the heart. That we can do works not for ourselves, but for our neighbor, just as Christ served not himself, but us, his neighbors. So we're gonna leave that third hypothesis right there for maybe for another day or something. But uh, Christians, you know, I know, are not afraid of God's existence, but overjoyed in knowing that God does exist. As Luther's description of faith says, faith is a heartfelt confidence in God through Christ that Christ's suffering and death pertain to you and should belong to you. True faith yields its whole heart to the conviction that the Son of God was given into death for us, that sin is remitted, that death is destroyed, and that these evils have been done away with. But more than this, that eternal life, salvation, and glory, yes, God himself have been restored to us, and that through the Son of God, He has made us His children. Instead of faith as credo, this is faith as trust. This is why, as Reverend Schmidt points out, Philip Melanchthon would go on to to define faith as consisting of three parts. He says notitia, that is knowledge, and assensus, assent, and fiducia, trust. Knowledge, assent and trust. This is what makes up faith. Knowledge founded in historical, verifiable, provable evidence, assent to what's being said, agreement, acceptance of it personally, subjectively, and trust in it because it is objectively true and has a subjective consequence for our reality. Knowledge, assent, trust. Okay, so now let's take all of this talk of faith that we've had so far and let's, let's now add in the other word I want to talk about today, courage, this other aspect, and then we're going to get to truth as well. So courage and truth in relation to faith So far, we've been using Jordan Peterson's statements as a vehicle to exercise our our biblically-equipped minds, so how about we continue that procedure? Let's keep that up, and let's look at another one of his videos. I mean, the guy's got plenty out there, so let's look at another one. This one was sent to me by a listener in Edwardsville, Illinois, after a friend sent it to him, so thanks, Kurt, I appreciate that. In this video, Peterson is interviewing Eric Metaxas regarding his book, A Letter to the American Church in which Metaxas identifies parallels between the German church's silence when the Nazis rose to power with the American church's silence as the leftists are rising, or have risen, maybe, to power. We're going to jump into this video with Peterson repeating Metaxas' summary statement to the church. And that summary statement is as follows. Do the right thing. That's what Metaxas is talking about, and he means it in in the sense of Speak God's word. Be the Christians you say you are. So we're going to take that as it's meant, especially in the context of our previous look at faith. If you say with your words that you believe in Christ Jesus as your Savior, that that he's defeated death and he's conquered the devil, that, that he's already won the war and is the ruler of this world and of your heart, sinner, then let your works and your words match up in your confession of faith. Do the right thing according to your faith in Christ Jesus. Do the right thing and speak out. Let your actions and your words, your words and your heart coalesce, combine, be parallel. Let them say the same thing, communicate before the world the same thing. Okay, so here's the clip. Have a listen.
1: If you have faith which by the way, I think is a form of courage. It's a form of existential courage. It's a decision to stake yourself on something. You will, you said, do the right thing and let God care, take care of the consequences. Okay, so my understanding of that is that I've been, I've been trying to conceptualize faith, I suppose, to some degree. And, you know, the atheist types and the materialists think that faith is the willingness to suspend disbelief in the service of a fairy tale. And I think that faith is something entirely different than that. I think it's the willingness to stake yourself on the truth in the faith that whatever happens when you tell the truth is the best thing that could possibly happen. And that's regardless of the short-term consequences, right? Because people lie because they want to manipulate the short-term consequences. They think they can get away with it. They think they'll gain something from it. Okay, so I think, no, no, you tell the truth and sometimes you're going to pay a price for that. But it's nowhere near as much of a price as you're bloody well going to pay if you lie. Now, you might be too stupid and willfully blind and naive and crooked and devious and deceptive to understand that, but doesn't mean you're right. So, this, so you said, do the right thing and let God take care of the consequences. Well, that's a statement of faith.
0: Faith is a form of courage. <laughs> I love that. A decision to, to stake yourself on something. This is the point of the verse that I referenced in last week's episode Matthew 5:37 we were looking at the pastor who was talking about not letting your yes be your yes and your no be your no but actually needing more than that to reach those who were outside the church walls right that was an audacious statement if you ask me no Matthew 5:37 let what you say be simply yes or no anything more than this comes from evil and James echoes Jesus' words in James 5.12 as well. See, our personal faith, dear saint, our personal faith, our knowledge of the historical proofs of Christ that lead us to accept him, to assent to him, and to trust in him, these, these, this faith we have, these things, this knowledge, this assent, and this trust, they come down to a simple yes or no. I'm either a Christian or an unbeliever. I'm, I'm having, I have pistis, faith. I'm a faithful one. Or I can be numbered among the oi epistoi, the apistis, the a-faith people. So here's a question for you. And it's one that I hope will lead you to the comfort of Christ. Sincerely which in turn, I hope, will give you the courage to act in a way that matches your spoken confession of faith. Here's the question. Have you been holding to a definition of faith that's akin to the materialists and atheists, as Dr. Peterson says, the pagans of our day? When you say that you have faith in Christ, do you mean faith as Luther and Paul meant faith, as as God intends you to mean it, as the Orthodox Church means it, that you're staking yourself on knowledge of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of your sins, trusting that Christ has rescued you from the devil and defeated death so that you are a a baptized Christian as a baptized Christian, are already at this very moment living your eternal life, the life that he has given you, the life that you have now, but not yet, that you're still awaiting to see fully realized, which you will see fully realized when he returns, that you'll know who you are precisely, see yourself clearly when the Lord returns in his glory. Are you holding to a faith that has that kind of definition? The Pauline, Christian, Christocentric definition, the Lutheran definition. When you say you have faith, do you mean you live like a Christian regardless of when it's popular to be Christian or not? regardless of what your friends and your neighbors may think of you, because like Paul, you don't give two rips what other people think of you. You're not concerned about the judgment of men because you're only concerned about the judgment of God. Do you mean that you have faith in the concrete, objective, Christocentric doctrine of the Bible, faith in Christ crucified for the forgiveness of your sins? Or, (laughs) I know, long question, right? Or do you mean you have faith the way the atheists and the materialists mean? You have faith, they have faith, we have faith. As a willingness to suspend disbelief in the service of a fairy tale. Is that your definition of faith? This is what's being uh, um, lobbed at us, what we're being accused of, insinuated. When we hear the, the dialogue that you know, conservatives, and, and by that I mean Christians in this regard, are you know, old-fashioned, traditional, holding to this old, out-of-date book, like you heard the lady say in last last episode. But then we also hear on the other side of things that the leftists, the liberals, the progressives, the woke mob, they're holding to science. I get that all the time from the leader of the Lost Coast Pride here. He's always, she's always throwing out this stuff about how, uh, what does the science say? What would Pastor Bramwell say about the science? Well, I I like science very much. I mean, you could use the the Latin word for it, notitia, knowledge. And I, I like to know things. And in fact, I do know things. I know that Christ Jesus came and is verifiably, provably my Lord and Savior. And so I, I assent to Him, and I trust Him. And all of the scientism that they mean, well, that can just be thrown in the fire heap over there, because it means nothing to me. Is your faith like what they say? That it's the willing suspension of disbelief in service to a fairy tale? Are they right about your faith? Or is it, to use Peterson's definition, since we're using him as our vehicle today, the willingness to stake yourself on the truth in the faith that whatever happens when you tell the truth is the best thing that could possibly happen? That is to say, do you have courage, Christian? Because you should. You are, after all, a Christian. (laughs) Let's leave it right there for our second break. Don't go away. We'll be back to wrap up this conversation on faith, courage, and truth. Thanks for listening to Cross Defense. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Put this wisdom of God into practice by listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple and faithful pastors from around the world help sharpen my faith in Christ every episode, I know you'll be blessed by listening and studying God's word with us. Listen to Sharper Iron weekdays at 8 a.m. on KFUO and on demand at kfuo.org, the KFUO radio app, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Doesn't Peterson have an interesting way of phrasing faith? I find it extremely fascinating. It's a definition that I would say is in sight of the outcome. What do I mean by that? I mean, think about the martyrs. All the way down through history to our very own day, just as we talked about a few weeks ago, we were looking at how they wouldn't even say Caesar is Lord, right? Remember that episode? They were willing to die rather than lie in service to what? In service to the truth. So take all of this and wrap it up in the Lord's declaration that he is the truth. And all of a sudden, to have faith is to be a person of truth, to live truthfully, to pursue truth, to be trustworthy. Now, we don't want to leave it right there because he has revealed himself to be Jesus, the Christ. But the person who's seeking after truth is indeed seeking after Christ. Christ though he may not know it. And that's our job, is to tell people. You're looking for truth? Peterson, you're looking for truth? Let me point out Jesus Christ to you. Now, I'm sure I'm sure he knows about Christ, but let's bring this into alignment with what you're saying. Jesus says he is truth. So if you're saying faith to have faith is to stake yourself on truth, who is that truth? Here's your, your Paul in the Areopagus moment for our friend in the last episode. Here's the context where you could be Paul for, for Peterson. Or well, for anybody who's saying this if you can get people to say that to have faith is to stake yourself on truth okay next question do you know who truth is i agree to have faith is to stake yourself on truth truth is Christ Jesus see how that works this is a great apologetics move. Peterson has seven million subscribers. He is influencing people to understand that the definition of faith is to stake yourself on truth. All you need do now, Christian, is explain to people that truth is Jesus. And what did Peterson say? That to have your actions and your words be in alignment, that's that's to be isomorphic, right? He, that's what he said, the same thing so to help see people, help people see, I should say, that what they're looking for is Christ. That's the goal. So all of this jives with Scripture, is my point, as we come back from our break. And and when we lie, we are living as the world. We're living as the children of disobedience whose father is the devil. That is, whose father is the father of lies. When you say you have faith in Christ, but you don't live like it, dear Christian, you're deceiving yourself. And so what's the response need to be? You know this answer. Repent. Have faith. Confess your unbelief that the Lord would absolve you and strengthen your faith. Yeah? Praise be to God, dear Christian, that we have faith in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. This whole conversation convicts all of us. You, me, every one of us. Our words and our works are always out of whack always. Well, more often than we'd like to admit. 99% of the time. When we confess our sins, we're living out our faith. See what's going on there? When you confess that you are a liar, you then need to repent. You need to come back to Christ and be made a truther, a truth teller. The subject and the object of your faith begin to align rather than saying you're not a sinner and making God a liar. First John stuff, right? What happens when you recognize that you lie about your faith far more than you would like to admit by the way you live out a worldly life instead of a Christian life, what happens is that you repent, and what results is a man of integrity. A man who says, yes, I am a sinner. Remove my sin. He says, Lord, I believe Held my unbelief. The short form of confession in the small catechism says it really well. The penitent says, I, a poor sinner, plead guilty before God of all sins. In particular, I confess that as a Christian, I haven't served my master faithfully. Too often, letting my actions defy my words. I'm sorry for this. And I ask for grace. I want to do better. Yes, do better. Lutherans do works that give witness to our faith. It's true. Ours has never been a creed that teaches and encourages words and not deeds. Silence in the face of evil. Quietism before the world. Now, we're guilty of that. We've done that far too often, but it's not part of our faith. It's not part of the biblical Christian faith. And we hear we hear that in the in the confessor's response to the repentant Christian's faithful desire to want to do better. We hear it. God be merciful to you and strengthen your faith, he says. Amen. In other words, may our gracious God enable your words and your actions to be in keeping with being a Christian, a believer in the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that is as good a segue as any talk about how Thrivent has so far revealed itself unwilling to repent and is therefore unfaithful to the fraternal bond they claim to benefit. A number of you shared with us what you sent Thrivent regarding the company's Balaamite apostasy, their uh, compromise with the world's LGBTQ pride that displayed that they've abandoned the Christian faith, subjectively among the decision makers of the company, and objectively, as it's no longer submissive to the Christian creed, to Christ. Now, a couple of you were so kind as to share with us also Thriven's response to you. So thank you, Kim and Sherry. I really appreciate that. Now, let me share that with all of our cross-defense listeners. We read, As an organization, Thrivent says, we focus on helping people achieve financial clarity, enabling lives of meaning and gratitude. We want to help people put their faith into action through community service and proper financial planning. We know that our clients and workforce hold a broad array of personal views and beliefs, and we want to make sure everyone feels valued, respected, and supported. This includes clients and employees who are members of the LGBTQ plus community. Now, this paragraph is why each and every one of you listening to this program today needs to go and read Reverend Schmidt's book, Faith Misused. We want to help people put their faith into action. Our clients and workforce hold to an array of personal views and beliefs, they said. This reeks of Satan's insidiousness. Thrivent claims to be a Christian society, but its use of faith is solely subjective, with the object of faith completely removed from the subject's heart, like the cross from one of their despicable t-shirts. Why does Thrivent have LGBTQ clients in the first place? And you know the answer. Because Thrivent has adopted... A definition of Christianity that includes this.
2: I invite you to rise in body or spirit and let us confess our faith today in the words of the Sparkle Creed. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the ace quilt, whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love, so beloved, let us love. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief, amen.
0: Thriven is woke because Thriven thinks you can be Christian and hold to the sparkle creed because Thriven's decision makers are as they've proven unwilling to stake themselves on truth and to leave the rest to God. They're unwilling to pursue truth. They're unwilling to be tethered to truth. They're not trustworthy. Thanks be to God for you, for me, for all of our neighbors, there are still people who do actually still stake their lives on truth. That is, they have faith, subjectively personal faith in the object of their faith, which is concrete and definable Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, to put it simply, which gives them courage to speak truth to lies. One such person is this disgruntled, thriving financial advisor, Reverend Tyrell. Thank you so much for the work you have done and are doing in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm so glad to find your work. You have given voice and cited scripture that speaks to many of the thoughts and feelings I've been having recently in regards to this LGBTQ plus pride celebration and depravity. The way of our world and many of today's church activities leave me praying, Jesus, come quickly. I'm also thankful to be blessed as a communicant LCMS member in North Central Missouri for nearly 23 years, hearing both law and gospel preached weekly, and further blessed to raise three of God's children who attended and even graduated from LCMS schools, with one son even becoming a DCE. Until recently, June 1st, I also counted myself to be blessed to be a thriving financial advisor, helping my brothers and sisters in Christ manage their finances in alignment with their faith. Of course, you know how that has gone recently, and I can't get away quick enough. The public only saw an Instagram post. Sadly, I've seen a litany of nonsensical responses coming from the top that followed the post. The corporate news, sharing corporate money, was being used. And Thrivent being a sponsor of the 2023 Pride Parade in Minneapolis. I also witnessed news of the Thrivent Corporate Lobby and the Thrivent Religious Art Exhibit being used in conjunction with the Pride Parade to highlight up and coming LGBTQ artists. Oh my goodness. I've also witnessed my leadership and many other advisors choose financial security in exchange for their conscious feelings. I ask you, please, protect my name if you share this post. Of course, my friend, of course. But I ask for your prayers as I prepare to depart from Thrivent to become an independent. I know God is in control and that I must get away, just nervous with all the change. But I also know he is with me and ultimately his will will prevail. P.S. I assume it will be acceptable to share your work and podcast with my client and I, as I update them to where I am and why I'm no longer their Thriving Advisor. God's blessings, my brother. You are in my prayers. I'm praying for God's strength to be with you and us all as we together fight this fight. God's blessing, a disgruntled Thriving Financial Advisor. Yes, of course. Please share my work and this podcast with anyone and everyone that you think it will serve well and benefit. Friend, you you are an exemplar of the faith. You are an exemplar of the faith. Thank you. We will be praying for you and for everyone that's exiting Thriving, and I hope there's a mass exodus. Thank you. Thank you for standing truthfully with faith and courage on the object of what it is we believe in, on Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins and not sacrificing your salvation for temporal security as you identified with other advisors. Thank you for sharing with us this most inspiring tale honest, truthful one of how Christians behave when the world is the world and it encroaches on them. I'm sorry you have to do this. I'm sorry you're going through this. And I know there's many more of you out there. So thank you doing, for doing this, for, for communicating with us and for shedding some more light on what's going on at Thriving. Thank you for that added information. I'm going to do my best to share it with as many people as possible. Thrivance all in with the LGBTQ. And, well, as the good Reverend Schmidt reminds us, by drawing our attention to 1 Timothy 4.1, the Apostle Paul predicted what? That some will depart from the faith. And that's it for Cross Defense today, my friends. So be people of truth. Be people of faith. Have courage. Christ is your Lord and Savior. Amen. Talk to you next week.
2: Cross Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at
0: KFUO.org.